All right, three, two, one. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Dr. John Noe, and we're going to talk about a book he published in 2017. The title of that book is The Next Great Reformation, 2096 New Theses for the Reclaiming Jesus's Everlasting Kingdom. Uh, he's also published many other books. The titles of those books are A Perfect Ending for the World, published 2011, A Greater Jesus, 2012, Off Target, 18 Bullseyes Exposed, 2012, Unraveling the End, 2014, The Creation of Evil, 2015, Hell Yes, Hell No, 2015, A Once Mighty Faith, 2016, and then 8070, the movie published 2021. That sounds fascinating. It's about uh, the the fall of Jerusalem at that time by the Romans. But uh, again, this book is The Next Great Reformation, and uh, I read through it today. Fascinating treatise. And uh, Dr. Noe, are you there? I am here, William. Good to awesome. be with you. Good to be with you. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to the interview. For people who may not have heard of you in the back, your background, can you talk about yourself and what led you to this book, The Next Great Reformation? Well, uh, as you uh, did in your intro, uh, you know, I've written some books before this. <laughs> and uh, what what led me to it is that I realized that we're, we're in a we're in and still are in a very special time in history. Uh, in that we, uh, when I, uh, this book was published was in 2017. That was the 500th year anniversary of Martin Luther's Reformation. Isn't that something? Yes. And, and I, and I had discovered by reading some other people's books, like Phyllis uh, Trickle's book, The Great Emergence, uh, where she highlights that about every 500 years in, in the history of Christianity, uh, there has been some major events that uh, have happened that have dramatically changed from an enhancement standpoint uh, Christianity. And would you like me to give you a real quick re- recap? Please do, yes. All right, every 500 years. That start with zero, okay? okay. Now, that that's supposedly, we think, when Jesus was born. Actually, it might have been 3 or 4 B.C. because of dating discrepancies. And But, but anyway, let's just say zero is Jesus is born. Uh, and then in 476, we have what? Remember? That was the fall of Rome. Right, the fall of the Roman Empire and the and uh, the start of the monastic movement, and then in 1554, any idea what that one was? 1554. No, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, 1054. Was that the splitting of the two churches? Yes, yes. the Great Schism, as they call it, Eastern and Western churches. And then in 1517, and you know, you see how we're doing these in 500 year increments. Yes. 1517, of course, was the start of the Protestant or the Great Reformation, Martin Luther. And then 500 years from that, we're at 20 or 2017. And that's when I published uh, the next Great Reformation and uh, presented 96 new theses for reclaiming the central teaching of Jesus, the everlasting kingdom. Now, that different that's differentiated from Martin Luther's. Right. Martin Luther primarily, well, the Messiah has two great works, that of, the, that of uh, the kingdom and that of salvation, and that's the order in which he uh, announced them. That's the order in which he uh, introduced them. And, and uh, Martin Luther primarily focused on salvation issues in his Reformation of 1517, along with issues with the Pope and, you know, some of their practices and so forth. But he didn't even breathe on the kingdom, the other great work of the Messiah. 
And this this Reformation, the next great Reformation that I'm presenting here in 2017 and following, focuses on the other great work of the Messiah, that being the kingdom, the everlasting, ever-increasing kingdom. Right. And so for people who may not know exactly what happened at Wittenberg, in 1517, can you do a kind of a recap about Martin Luther's motivation to write the 95 Theses? Sure. Sure. Okay. So, uh, so what I have in, in the book, by the way, is a comparative. You know, if you, if you just visualize two columns, one on the left and one on the right, you have 1517 and you have, uh, 2017. So in 1517, the Catholic Church was massively misleading Christians regarding salvation issues, such as indulgences, along with the authority of the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church. And so Martin Luther, faces the, the that major difficulty and presents his theses as a breakthrough against uh, church resistance and getting heard and being considered and so forth. So on October 31st, allegedly uh, of 1517, he initiates and inaugurates and ignites his great reformation with a huge strategy when he nails to the door, supposedly, of his church in Wittenberg, Germany, his 95 theses. Now, the door uh, of the church was kind of like the bulletin board of the village. You follow me? Mm-hmm. So that's that, That's why he nailed it there. And, uh, uh, and, that, and that's what started it all. That was it. That was the beginning of this conflict between the Catholic Church and this new kind of movement that grew also kind of out of the printing press, right? So people could... The printing, yes, the printing press uh, was was new, and that uh, enabled uh, this information to get disseminated widely. So, so it it grew from the door of of the Wittenberg Church uh, throughout throughout most of Germany and on beyond that. Right, so all over the world. So that one nailing of the ninety five theses really spread throughout all of these different groups. But Wittenberg was also kind of an interesting place because. It was kind of more rural than going to one of the main cities of Germany. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. It was a hick city, so to speak. Right. <laughs> I didn't say hip. Right. <laughs> the hicks. It was out right. in the country. Yeah, it's a small little uh, town. Right. So, I mean, it's an interesting choice because he's not kind of doing it for the oligarchs of that time, but it seems like he was trying to reach the common person. Would you agree that, with that? That's right. That's right. It, it, it was not in the in the big uh, centers of of uh, the cities. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, can you recap? I mean, we don't have to go through every ninety five theses, but can you kind of? Uh, no, I have ninety six. Ninety. Okay. You have ninety six. <laughs> he had ninety five, though, right? Yes. Now, now that is not my ninety six new theses. I have to clarify this for some people, so let me do it for okay. you and and our listeners out there. My 96 theses are all new, 96 new theses. It's not Martin Luther's 95 plus one. Gotcha. Big difference. Again, we're focusing on uh, reclaiming Jesus's everlasting kingdom, whereas Martin Luther focused on salvation issues primarily. Gotcha. So those 95 theses were about salvation. It was about indulgences where people paid the church for the redemption. The overcovering of sins, right? Oh, so yeah. That was, that was the way they were making money. So Martin Luther is a young monk, and he's he's protesting against that. And so, and so, so how he, do you think he was received? 
Not well. I don't think he was received well at all, was he? So how do you think mine will be received? <laughs> Probably not well, I guess. I mean, that's right. You know why? No. Because it's so threatening to the establishment churches of today. Interesting. And, and guess do- what? So were Martin Luther's. Right. Okay. That's why they call it a reformation. Gotcha. So this is the next great reformation. And you do detail kind of these outlooks or, kind of, you know, pre, you talk about preterism and some of these other views. Uh, Millennialism, I think, was one of them. Can you talk about how your 96 new theses address some of these um, trends within Christianity? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, take your time. Uh, take your- oh, yeah, we sure can. Okay. Uh well, for example, uh, let me just do it in on a broad overview standpoint first, and then we, get, we can get into more specific details, uh, if you'd so like. No, we do, definitely, please. Uh, the kingdom of God was a central teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Most people would agree to that. The problem today is it's no longer the central teaching of most of his church. Do you see a problem with that? I think so, yeah. Because they're teaching like it's past, right? It's already happened. There's there's so many different views about the kingdom. It's caught up in eschatological midair. It's confusing to a lot of people. Uh, There's so many conflicting views that that one of the views is it's not even here anymore. The the kingdom that Jesus was presenting back then and there that was, you know, he, he preached the kingdom for the first three years of his three-and-a-half-year ministry and never mentioned that he was going to die or go to the cross until the three-year point of his three-and-a-half-year ministry? Do you realize that? I wasn't aware of that, no. Although That's I right. Yeah, interesting. Central teaching uh, is a kingdom, and, and that kingdom, and then he transferred that kingdom onto his disciples, and his disciples transferred it on to many, many more people, and they were accused of having turned the world of their day and time upside down with that kingdom, right. not with salvation. Now, salvation was a part of it, but it was the kingdom that was out there that was getting getting the establishment people all honked off. Right. That was that was the threat to them. Dying and going to heaven wasn't a threat to them. It was what the, the the essence of the kingdom would do to to their their things that they had going on. Right, interesting. Isn't that something? Yeah, no, no. It's interesting you bring that up. It's definitely a part of the, you know, acts and the post gospel story is the the growth of that kingdom. Oh yeah. Yeah. So so that's what we that's what we're talking about here, being the focus of this next great reformation. And again, we have made a mess of this kingdom in in church circles and in seminaries and in, you know, Christian institutions and and, and all that stuff. And there's so many different and conflicting views of it. But the but the biggest problematic factor, again, in my my view, William, is that the central teaching of Jesus is no longer the central teaching of his church. Man, you talk about a red flag. Right. Right. No, that's fascinating. And I mean, I've been in different churches and they almost never, they kind of mention the kingdom as something past. They don't talk about maintaining the kingdom of Jesus Christ presently. Well, and his kingdom, it was to be, it was the everlasting form of the kingdom. And to the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Hello. And the church is teaching that it's, it's, it's not even here anymore. Now I say the church, 
the majority teaching in the evangelical church is the kingdom of, that Jesus was presenting back then and there, that was the central focus of his teaching, is not even here anymore. Right. And then another focus in the in, in conflicting focus in the in the in the church, which would be the uh, all millennial view, was it? Well, today it's kind of here, somehow here, already not yet. Well, how in the world are you? You know, Jesus's commandment to seek ye first what? I, I, the kingdom, the right? Kingdom, right. Oh, right. Seek, well, how do you seek ye first something that's kind of here, somehow here? You know, already not yet. I mean, how would you know when you found it? Or if it's not here at all, why even bother seeking it? Right. Good point. You see, you see the conflicts that, that, that we have institutionalized in our institution we call Christianity or Christendom by the traditions of men that make the word of God of little or no effect? Well, how about the central teaching of Jesus and making it of little or no effect, which is exactly what we've done and exactly why we need this next great reformation? Fascinating. Wow. How about so, that? Huh? Yeah, no, that's really profound. I, so, what's the what are your what's your what's your view on how to implement that kingdom again? All right, that brings us into my ninety six new theses. Okay. All right. So, can I just go there? Please, please. Do. <laughs> you tell me when to stop. No, go. There's, there's, there's going to be no way we're going to cover all these. Okay. You know, well, or, try, try to, to all right, cover All right, let's right. do this. Okay. Let's do this. My number one thesis is the two great works of the Messiah were that of the kingdom and that of salvation. We've already talked about that, right? Right. Number two thesis, that's the order in which Jesus announced them. That's the order in which he accomplished them. We already talked about that. Then we talked about what happened in, in uh, Martin Luther's uh, Reformation 500-some years ago. And that this needs to be the, bringing, and this was a central teaching of Jesus, and this needs to become the central teaching once again of his church. That's part of the Reformation. So, uh, theses number 12, arguably the kingdom of God is the most important and all-encompassing concept of Scripture. So much is contained within it. It was also the central teaching of Jesus, but today the kingdom is no longer the central teaching of most of his church. That's number 12, and we've right. mentioned that previously. Right. Thirteen. Instead, the kingdom is caught up in eschatological midair and one of the most misunderstood, misconstrued, marginalized, confused, abstracted, abused, contested, and ignored realities in Christianity today. See a problem with that? Yes. Definitely. 14, we are reaping mighty consequences in the culture for example, right. for our kingdom reductions, deficiencies, and confusions here in America and throughout the world. Would you agree? Yes, 100%. We're getting our butts beat. Yeah, we lost the culture war a long time ago. Yeah, because we lost the kingdom. Right. I mean, we, 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 we didn't get beat. We withdrew. Agreed. 15, Christianity is accused of have, uh, now of having been tamed. Alan Wolf, in his book, uh, The uh, Transformation of American Society in 2003, said that his secular Jewish friends had nothing to worry about with Christians because we've been tamed. All right. 16, the gospel has been reduced. If you ask most Christians today, William, what is the gospel? You know what they'll tell you? No, t tell me. Salvation. Yes, I would agree with that, though. 100%. I mean, I mean, they may say it different ways, like going to heaven when you die, or you know that. 
Yeah, well, again, Jesus didn't preach that until the three-year point of his three-and-a-half-year ministry. And then he only preached it or, or taught it to a small select group and not to the masses. Right. What he was teaching and proclaiming prior to that was the kingdom, the kingdom of God as a, as at a present, at hand, available, you know, seekable reality then and there. Okay. 17. Uh, we, we, I just covered that. For the first three, three years, it was this, the kingdom. Okay, so 18. Unfortunately, nowhere did Jesus or any biblical writer define what the kingdom was. So guess what? I define it <laughs> in, in my thesis, and I'll save that for a little bit later. Okay. So, so today, 18... Uh, this is number 18, thesis number 18, or 19, excuse me. So today the kingdom is in a conundrum, a maze of conflict and confusion that has produced a blinded, weakened, compromised, and marginalized church. Is that offensive to you? No, because I agree with that. So I'm not offended by anything you said. All right, 20. Eschatological divisions drive this conundrum. Eschatology, which is a study of last things from eschatos, the Greek eschatos, last, and, and the Latin uh, uh, suffix ology, meaning the study of last things, it, it, it is, has been defined as the most divisive element in recent Christian history. Few doctrines unite and separate Christians as much as eschatology. Christianity Today magazine in an institute uh, back in the 80s defined it that way. Right. They're still disputing all the time, right? Yeah. So number 21. The dispensational premillennial view, which is the most popular view in evangelical Christianity throughout the world, insists that the kingdom Jesus was presenting is not even here anymore. Right. Hello? It's been postponed and withdrawn by God. But someday soon, Jesus is going to return and set up his kingdom in a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem and start sacrificing little animals again. Arguably the most her heretical concept in Christianity today. Yeah. Amil- it, 22. which is the second most popular view in, in Christianity, they disagree. They say, that, yeah, no, no, the kingdom is here in some sense, as, but it's only in a foretaste, and it's in an eschatological tension between the already and the not yet. It's partially fulfilled and partially established, but when Jesus returns and all this stuff, then he's going to complete the job that he didn't get done. See a problem with that? Yeah, because it's really vague. <laughs> Just to kind of say it's happier. Yeah, so why bother, you yeah, know? Right. If Jesus hadn't finished the job, well, you know. I mean, if somebody delivers a piano to your house that you ordered, for example, to use an analogy, right. and, and it doesn't have the internal guts in it, I mean, you're not going to be able to play it, are you? Nope. Well, that's what they've done to the kingdom, the amillennialists. The postmillennialists, which is the third most popular view, and formerly was the most popular view. In fact, that's what brought our forefathers in the faith of this country to found the great institutions of this country, was that they had a very positive, optimistic view of the kingdom. And and it was forefront in in, in their faith. Uh, But they they still say that 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 is mostly here, but is not totally here. So they did the same, th- a similar kind of thing that the amillennialists do, right. and they have gotten discredited by the dispensationalists when the atom- when the atomic bomb fell. 
and all sorts of other, you know, World War One and World War Two and things getting worse and worse and worse. And then, you know what was the clincher? No. 1948. The okay. stamp of authentication of Israel becoming a nation and a dispensational view became the prime primary view. Interesting. You know what I'm and, yes. and again, and their view is that the, that the kingdom Jesus was presenting back then and, and transferring to his disciples and commanding them to, to teach everybody to do everything I've commanded you to do and even greater works than these do and all that kind of stuff. That's not even here anymore. Right. That's amazing. Amazing, isn't it? And then we have cessationist preterists who, who, who maintained that the kingdom that Jesus was presenting, he presented fully back then. But then after AD 70 and the temple was destroyed by the Romans, then God withdrew the miraculous elements from the kingdom that was empowering uh, what the what our uh, forefathers and the faith were doing back then and turning the world upside down, that, that God withdrew those elements because they weren't needed anymore because we have the Bible. Yeah, wow. Do you see, you see a pattern here? Yeah, I also feel like they're all ceding responsibility to maintain the kingdom too. Like I feel like they're kind of not maintaining it for a reason. Like it doesn't, uh, they don't have to risk anything by these positions. Right. Absolutely. Just cuts the knees right out from under it, doesn't it? Yeah. So what we got in, the, in these popular views, but, but unscriptural, all of them are totally without scriptural justification or support. What we got are concepts like uh, uh, theses number 26, Jesus is not yet king. You believe that? Jesus no. is not yet king. He was born king. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't relinquish his throne. Just increased. But that's a popular, very popular. Or the kingdom belongs to Israel, and one of these days Jesus is going to come back and give it back to him. Absurd. Right. No scriptural justification whatsoever. Uh, number twenty-eight. The kingdom won't arrive again until Jesus's future return, and then it'll only be here for a thousand years. And then Satan's going to get turned loose again and, and wreck everything all up again. Isn't that pathetic? Yes. And and that the kingdom is it is a kingdom that that is ever increasing, not increasing and then decreasing, then increasing and then decreasing. Right. Uh, even charismatic and Pentecostal leaders admit that they're not seeing today the the caliber, i.e., quality and quantity of signs, wonders, and miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit in their gatherings, uh, because these they they have departed as being nominal Christianity that we see manifested in the four Gospels and in the book of Acts because of these reasons. Right. Number 31. But notably, these miraculous manifestations were intrinsic elements of the kingdom Jesus was presenting. Were they not? Yes, definitely. <laughs> right, the gifts of the Spirit and all those things. Right? All right, well, you beginning to see why we need another Reformation? Yes. Luther didn't even breathe on these things. Right. Did, did, didn't, even, didn't even mention them. They weren't even part, uh, you know. Okay. A am, I, am I getting too specific, or do you want me to keep going? No, no, you're doing great. This is perfect. Please continue. Okay. 32. There are two main purposes uh, of, the, of these miraculous signs and miracles and so forth that followed when the disciples were out preaching the kingdom. You know, when Jesus sent out the 12 and the 72, you know, the first thing 
he told them to do before they started doing any ministry works? You know what he told them to do? I don't recollect offhand, no. He, he said, the first thing you do, preach and teach that the kingdom of God is at hand. Before you did anything, how often do you hear a pastor in a church today stand up and, and, and say, the kingdom of God is at hand? I've never heard it in all the Psalms and all the, I mean, all the sermons no, and teachers I've ever heard. You don't even hear no. preaching about the kingdom right. because they don't know how to preach it because of all this crap that we're dealing with here. Now, can I, now that word crap, I could use other words for that, but that word crap is scriptural. Do you realize that? No. It's usually translated as dung. Right. But dung is crap. Right. Okay. And again, I'm trying to keep this clean because I don't know who's all listening out there. Please. That's good. Good idea. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. okay. I'll get kicked off of YouTube again. I don't care. <laughs> all right. Where were we? You uh, were at um, 32. 30, 33. Today, many of our messages are in open conflict with and contradictory of the messages God was authenticating back then with signs, wonders, and miracles following. And he was authenticating the message, not the messenger. He was authenticating the message by any messenger who would present that message that, that was being presented back then, and the, and the message that was being presented back then was centered on the kingdom of God. And, we don't, and we're not doing that anymore. So there is no obligation or warrant for God to authenticate it with the same caliber of signs, wonders, and miracles, and he is not. Right. Good point. Yeah, that's true. And, and again, as I mentioned back in number 30, charismatic and Pentecostal leaders admit it. Admit it. They just don't know why. Well, I'm telling you why. Right. All right. 34. Much of the church presents and practices a different philosophy of ministry today without the miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles, and doctrinally and functionally try to come up with reasons or excuses why we're not seeing these things, which are erroneous. Number two, or excuse me, number 35, we present a different gospel. We have reduced the gospel. It's called gospel reductionism by removing the kingdom from even being part of the gospel. Right. I mean, you, you think, it's all you focused th on salvation. Yeah. Yeah, all that. It's very true. Again, the two great works of the Messiah, that of the kingdom and that of salvation, that's the order in which he announced them. That's the order in which he accomplished them. And we've reduced the kingdom from being even part of the gospel. Do you see any reason why God would want to authenticate that kind of message in, in today's churches? And no, Christians? it's a great point. Like, why would, why would the authentication happen without saying it's part of the kingdom? Well, and he's not. Now, let me tell you this. There's a lot of fakery going on. That's sure. another That's another issue. Right. That's another book. That's an, <laughs> another issue, right? All right. Uh, 36. Uh, likewise, we present our different 19 centuries delayed and counting eschatological uh, expectations. This conflicts with first century expectations. You know what the first century expectations were? I would say the expectation is that the kingdom, the world would end soon. Nope. What's that? The expectations were all the things that Jesus said were going to happen would happen within their lifetime. Within their lifetime. And uh, I've written another book on that where I talk about the intensity of nearness language as, as, as uh, after Jesus' death, as all the things he talked about, as, as those. And, and he said, verily, verily, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. 
mm-hmm. as, as that as that wound down to AD 70, which was the destruction of uh, Jerusalem and the temple, the intensification of nearness language ratchets up. It's an interesting study, but we don't have time to get into that today. It is absolutely the stamp of authentication of everything I'm saying to you is absolutely true. Fascinating. Yeah, but that's, an, that's another issue. Okay. okay. Uh, 37. Uh, this this divergence has produced the great end time fiasco. What in the world is a great end time fiasco? Here it is. Ready? Mm-hmm. Things that were supposed to happen didn't happen. As New Testament expectations prove false and forced the church to invent delay theory in direct contradiction of Scripture. Three major scriptures teach that there would be no delay, no delay, no delay, and the church has been preaching delay for 19 centuries and counting. You see a problem with that, William? Yeah, tons. Lots of problems. All right. Number 38, big problems call for a big solution. You with me? Mm-hmm. That big solution is the next great reformation. Gotcha. And so what are those elements of the next great reformation that, cure these theological shortcomings. Number 39. <laughs> okay. Thank you for pitching to me underhanded. Yeah, I'm, good. I, I, I'm good to my guests. All right. Here, here's my great working, here's my, or my working great hypothesis. Okay. Okay. To the degree that we modern day Christians get our faith straightened out so that it harmonizes with the faith that was de- that was depicted in the four gospels and in the book of acts the faith that god was authenticating back then and there with signs wonders and miracles and gifts of the spirit following and so forth to that degree we may again move the hand of god and begin witnessing the return of these miraculous manifestations would that be would that be something of interest to you Absolutely, 100%. I would like to live in that time. Do you realize there's a lot of Christians out there that don't want to see that happen? No. Why would why would they not want that? Because it would disrupt their Sunday morning church service. Right. And the way they practice and are comfortable with their faith. Right. Their churchianity, so to speak. And by the way, that's the reason the Jews killed Jesus, for the same reason. Is that he disrupted their their practices? Yeah, right? That's their right. That's right. Upset the status quo. Yeah. All right. You want some more? Yeah, please do. Continue. Number forty. A mighty corrective. Our philosophy of ministry, if we want to see this, our philosophy of ministry must match the first century church's philosophy of ministry completely, and our gospel much mat must match their gospel which was the gospel of both the kingdom and salvation. Right. And our eschatological message must also conform to and confirm that their Holy Spirit-guided imminency expectations were the correct ones. And if they were wrong about that, and they were given the Holy Spirit to guide them into all truth and show them the things that were to come, if they were wrong about that, and the church has been preaching, they've been wrong about that for not, they were that their expectations were wrong and had been wrong for 19 centuries of counting. How in the world, William, could we trust them to convey other aspects of the faith to us? Accurately, well, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, really maybe they were. You know, if if their Holy Spirit guided expectations on that were wrong, maybe their Holy Spirit guided uh, inspirations were also wrong, 
on uh, issues like uh, how can you be saved? Right. Well, that's a whole nother book, too. It's like concepts of salvation once saved, always saved. What you have to do to be saved, the constant repeat repetition of I am saved. is. Uh, there's a lot of questions around that. All right. So number 41, that means that we must return to the philosophy of the ministry of Jesus and his disciples taught, practiced, and modeled. Number, uh, number 42, we must recover the full gospel message to encompass the good news of both the kingdom and salvation. Number 43, conforming to and confirming that the first century eschatological expectations were the correct ones as they pinpointed the imminent and fulfill, uh, imminent fulfillment and establishment of all things in their lifetime. Anything less is less and non-authenticatable with signs, wonders, and miracles following. Is that too harsh? Not for me. You know, I think that makes perfect sense. Well, you're a great audience. Okay. <laughs> so you have your solution, too. So let's, let's – do you want to talk about the solution or do you want to direct people towards your book to learn about the solution? Up to you. It's your your show. I'm easy. I'm easy. How much time we got left? Well, we're at 33 minutes, so we've definitely covered some territory. Well, you tell me. What would you like me to do? Let's see, let's see what the solution you have. So you, the remaining theses, 44 to 96. I mean, we're, only, we're only in. We're not even halfway through the 96 yet. We're we're almost halfway through. Right. Well, what is your what's your kind of uh kind of elevator solution to to the problem something quick and then we'll kind of wrap this up okay uh i believe william that the greatest need of the church universal today is to reclaim the central teaching of jesus the kingdom of god and it's caught up in eschatological midair we have made such a mess of it it's unbelievable and um uh we're losing the culture uh, we're losing six to seven out of every 10 of our children out of church by the age of 23. Some may come back later, but I mean, there's, it, it, we're, we're just getting clobbered. The church is, and with after this uh, COVID-19 thing, the church is in horrible shape here in America. And I think around the world too. But I met with a pastor of a major mega church uh, yesterday, had lunch with him. That's what he told me. He, he said, "John, you just wouldn't believe how much of a, how 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 many problems the church or how much difficulty churches are in today." Well, you, you know, COVID's one thing, but the fact that the central teaching of Jesus is not their central teaching is another thing. Now, I can't do a whole lot about about COVID, but I can do a heck of a lot about about the the latter, and that's what these ninety six theses are all about. Right. It's great. And I, I mean, it's interesting that you bring this up because you almost never heard, hear people talk about the kingdom. Maybe they'll say welcome to the kingdom to new Christians, but you almost never talk about the concepts of Christ the king and, and God over his kingdom. It's usually in the context of a heavenly kingdom instead of. Yeah, that, exactly. That's what they, they defer it to be, be in heaven. Yes. They defer it. It's something up there. You know, but it's not here, right? And then you and you juxtapose that with Christ stating that the kingdom is here now, right? So He's saying now, but mm -hmm. the church today is saying well, after you passed on to the next Rome. Mm -hmm. So that's that 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 would be what 
you know, I think that might be a good place. I mean, for who knows that we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Does that sound familiar to you? No. Tell me, where's that from? What's that reference? That is, if you'll bear with me, uh, just a moment here. Oh, where do I got on here? Got on here some there. Um, oh, okay, Lord, I need some help here. Where is that reference? Well, I can't find it. Oh, here it oh, is. Okay. Esther 414. For such a time as this, come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Right. So it's a perfect time for people to get back into the kingdom, the present kingdom. The fact that 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 you, and I, I use you in the plural, not just you, William, but, mm-hmm. but, but our, the fact that you all out there listening are listening to this, you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. What are you going to do with this message that you've just been listening to? Right. That's a great way to finish it. So, Dr. Noe, where can people find your material or your books if they're interested? Amazon.com. Okay. Also, also uh, go to YouTube, and we have a a teaching video series uh, that covers this and a lot of other things in detail called Greater Than We Believe. Greater than we believe, mm. and you also have a website, right? It's uh, right. It's, uh, uh, Prophecy, Prophecy Refor- Refor- yeah, there it is. Prophecy Reformation Institute, uh, and you can get it uh, org. P r o p h e c y r e f i dot org. Gotcha, and you can see all the podcast videos, teachings, blogs. Oh yes. If you want to reach out to Dr. Noe. I'd love to talk to you again about uh, AD 70, the movie. That would be very interesting because I did read into, for people who don't know, I read into Josephus's account mm. of the fall of Jerusalem into my podcast. So if people want to check that out. He's my pro. He, he's the main character in that, in that oh, movie. Oh, interesting. Right. So a uh, practicing Jew who came with the Romans, but also was firsthand really right there at the gates of Jerusalem as they fell and, and uh, mm-hmm. really fascinating account. So it hope, is. Yeah. All right. So Dr. Noe, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. What a great talk. I really uh, enjoyed it, William. Uh, yeah. Let me know. Okay. Yeah. Let's keep in touch. I'll okay. talk with you soon. All right. Have a great weekend. Blessings. Blessings to you as well. God bless.